these guys survive the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Wow. Wow, you guys. I learned a lesson in uh, premature tweeting last night. I don't know if you guys saw this. I woke up to uh, hundreds of people dunking on this tweet because in the second half of that game in San Francisco last night, the Timberwolves playing a Warriors team without Steph Curry. Now, Clay Thompson is a shell of himself. And Draymond Green, I mean, we can talk about him and we will, but... I tweeted, for all the talk about how the Timberwolves are a more mature team this season, they currently trail the Warriors G League team by double digits in the second half. And then they came roaring back for one of their most, uh, just considering the circumstances, maybe impressive wins of the season. So dunk away, people on Twitter. Dunk away on my idiot. I feel like old Wolves, though, like old Wolves teams lose that game. Like on paper, right? It's just like the classic, like, oh, they're without their three. The Warriors are without three of their like Hall of Fame level type players. Yeah. Old Wolves teams led by like Towns, Wiggins, even early days of Edwards lose that game. And even though last last night, the first half got a little wonky there and yet some G League stars were like stepping up big time for the Warriors. Dario Saric was just balling out for the first half. G- and by the way, G-, G League is hyperbole. So... You know, so, sometimes this is my mistake using hyperbole on Twitter. Yeah, obviously these are NBA players, and uh, obviously uh, the Wolves came roaring back. But yeah, I saw that tweet this morning though, and I was like, "What's Phil talking about?" Dude, it's the algorithm. I was very I tweeted a hundred things last night and this morning. Why so is why, that the one? Why is that? Why the did one? that get picked up though? Like I it was know. weird because I saw that tweet and I'm like. What? I was like, what? So I'm sure in the moment, I'm sure in the moment it made perfect sense um, and probably was fitting. But uh, yeah, that's uh, Dex is right. I I mean, a lot of incarnations of the Wolves franchise lose that game. Uh, They certainly don't come back from being down. And and then your tweet turns out to be right. And uh, you're you're, you can't be dunked on. But that was a night. You know what? This team's just damn good. I mean, what what else can you say? This is not a fluke. This doesn't look like a fluke. Um, I I know we're we're gonna get to your uh, your hot takes off of the game, but this looks. I mean, this looks like a health provided, I guess, which is true for every team. This looks like a sustainable model of a way to win basketball games. It's it's a, it's really interesting. Yes, what's happening in the first ten games here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and welcome in by the way to Flagrant Howls, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. If you guys could click the like button and the subscribe button on the score North YouTube channel. If that's where you're consuming or Apple, Spotify, a five-star rating and a positive review. Uh, I was, so Kyle, our guy, Kyle was at dinner last night and he wasn't, he was watching the game later on, but he, his phone was blowing up. Like what's happening. Players are getting ejected. Like no one's scored yet. Uh, Kyle will join tomorrow for flagrant howls after the wolves get done with their back to back against the suns. But I have for you guys, I don't know if they're hot takes, Judd, you call them hot takes. They're takes. I have five wolves okay. takes. You can determine well, the temperature level of these takes. I always like to start off off just assuming that they're going to to be hot. There might be a cut. There's like sure I don't want to be chasing hot. people away right now. Like they're they're like, well, if they're not hot takes, I'm not going to consume the rest of the podcast. See, I always like to overpromise. Sure, there are at least <laughs> there's at least one hot take for sure. Okay, we'll see. Damn. The others maybe range from like lukewarm to 
Last night I was trying to cook some stir fry and uh, I forgot two oh, things. No. Number one, my wife had dinner plans already. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a good husband good and cook you. dinner. I realized <laughs> that she had dinner plans. And then the second thing I realized is pans are hot. And so I yeah. scalded my Dude, finger oh. on the side of a pan last night. Dude, you got to be careful with that stuff. Like, especially if you're going to dip your toe into yeah. cooking. Beep. So so are, are these like takes put in the microwave, the air, air fryer, fryer or, I, or the oven? I was going to say they're like what I did after burning my hand on the stove. I just turned it, turn it on to low or simmer yeah. and just set it aside. <laughs> right, I think right, that's right, where right. we're going to start here okay. with this first take. So my first take, Phil's Wolves takes, I've got five for you. The final 30 seconds of that game last night were a basketball masterpiece. Mm. And I urge people, Dane Moore has tweeted a clip. I tweeted a clip. It's like the last 35 seconds of that game. So the Warriors were down by one. And we'll get into all the rest of the stuff in that game, too. But let's start at the end. The Warriors were down by one. They have the ball, and there's 35 seconds left. Chris Paul comes off a screen. Now, this is this is a grandfather shell of the old Chris Paul, okay? But it's like Chris Paul still has some spaces on the court where if he gets to the elbow, if he gets you know to that mid-range spot, that is Chris Paul territory. So Chris Paul comes off a screen wide open for a patented mid-range jumper to put the Warriors in front. Rudy Gobert jumps in front of him and kind of puts a hand up and scares Chris Paul off of the spot. So now Chris Paul's like, oh, I can't shoot that shot. I'm going to kick it to the corner to a wide open Dario Saric. Rudy Gobert, who flashes in front of Chris Paul in the lane, then gets out to the freaking corner and blocks the three-point shot by Saric. Carl Anthony Towns comes in between three Warriors in traffic, grabs the rebound. Anthony Edwards then gets the ball, dribbles across half court, dribbles to the right side, then dribbles aggressively into the lane, drawing three Warriors defenders, and then jumps in the air and rifles a pass to a wide-open Mike Conley, who inserts a dagger three right in the ribcage of the Warriors. Like that... That's the Tim Connolly vision. All of that right there. Gobert, dominant, best defensive player in the league. Carl Anthony Towns finding a way to make an impact. Anthony Edwards, the playmaker, finding Mike Conley, the adult who hits a game-sealing three-pointer. Like, inject the last 35 seconds of that game right into our veins. The Gobert plan, Sarge, is absolutely incredible to, to watch, too, because he's basically coming at the camera. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I, that's what, that's what Connolly thought they were going to get, I think a year ago, but this has been super impressive. And yes, that sequence was basically, it was everybody doing exactly what you would like at their, like at their max doing exactly what you would, would want, right? Towns, the rebound, Gobert defensively, just absolutely to your point, one scaring a guy and then two just basically uh, make, make it a great defensive play. And then Ant. And and let's talk about the Ant pass. Because the Ant pass to Conley, to me, like that's where his game has gone for Ant. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that he can – so it's one thing to be a scorer and a really good player. It's another to be a complete player. And the fact that Ant can make that pass, which, by the way, he made look pretty simple, and it ain't a simple play. That that that's so important because that's what that's what a superstar does. Like that's the next when when you're talking about everybody being in their role, 
um, somebody has to probably be the star, the superstar. And what he did with that pass, and to your point, drawing three guys to him, and Conley is standing there, and Conley ba- basically said, I half expect, I didn't expect to get the, the ball because that's such a hard play for Ant to make. So I'm with you, man. That was a thing of beauty. So Conley also, Dane Moore was, uh, there's a the handful of Wolves beat writers out there, Dane Moore being one of them from the uh, Dane Moore NBA podcast. Check that out. He's a friend of the show. And uh, and he talked to Mike Conley in the locker room after the game. I don't have the the exact quote pulled up, but I'll paraphrase. And essentially, Conley has been mentoring Anthony Edwards ever since he walked in the door last. When, when was that trade? Like February of last year, because mm-hmm. he's an adult. Like he's he's a floor general. He is a leader. He's an he's an actual point guard as opposed to D'Angelo Russell, who's just kind of out there floating around. And one of the things that Mike Conley has been stressing to Anthony Edwards is, dude, you are, to what Jeb was saying, to get to the next level, you are so talented to get to the next level. And this will benefit you too, as everything comes around, use your ability to draw defenders and your ability to get places on the court to open up wide open shots for your teammates. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, brilliant at that throughout his career, right? I mean, there's countless examples in today's NBA. And so after the game, Dane asked Mike Conley, hey, you've been kind of preaching to him, draw defenders and find the open man. Do you do you feel like you can take some credit for that? And Conley said, I hate to take credit, but let's just say he's listening. He is absolutely soaking in what the leaders on this team are saying and what I'm saying, and he is listening and evolving his game, as you saw. So uh, take number two, Carl Anthony Towns saved the Timberwolves last night. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you get to this, yeah. Absolutely. And we've been obviously super critical, uh-huh. I think rightfully so, in most cases, of Carl. Everything was broken for the Wolves last night. The energy was off. After that melee, it was like, plus you're, you're playing the same team twice in three nights in that arena, but now we just like put a different floor out there. Like the whole thing was just like the vibes were sort of weird from the get-go. They're turning the ball over. The offense is clunky. Guys are going into hero ball mode. And Cat comes in, drops 33 points. 5 of 12 from the three-point line, including some big threes down the stretch in that fourth quarter. 11 rebounds, including the clinching, clearing rebound that set up the last three-pointer, right? He just deserves huge credit over the last, like, week and a half or two weeks for playing with a calm demeanor, finding his role offensively, also making an impact defensively. You know, isn't that the type of game, too, where, and you, you saw it against, like, Boston. He got a couple quick fouls and, you know, half the games in the playoffs he's played where it's like emotions are high. It feels like a playoff game. Last night, technically, it was a playoff game, an in, in-season tournament game, right? And, like, that's the type of game where he starts flailing and complaining to officials, and he wasn't. Dude, he was like, in fact, he was, I think, when when you needed someone to be calm and steady, he was the calm and steady presence for the most part in that game last night. Super I impressive. Thought, I thought he was the best player on the court. I really did. I mean, 42 minutes last night, too. He played a ton. He was making big shots. I believe like 16 points in the first half was just as dominant in, yeah. in the second half. And I guess, yes, he deserves tons of credit because he was great. And over this last like week, honestly, he has been great. He had a great game last Friday against the Spurs. Um, he's looked really good. And... I'm trying to weigh two things. Number one, emotions could have gotten the best of the Wolves last night when they got down by 10 points against like yeah, a really depleted Warriors team, and Cat was kind of the one that kept everything together, and that was great, and Cat deserves the flowers. I guess where I'm trying to like weigh 
Can we see that version of Cat when the Celtics come back to town, when you're in the playoffs? Can we see, like, if you get this version of Cat, my God, like, I mean, th- this is, this is game over. This is, this is everything that people have thought Carl Anthony Towns can be. And that's why he's dropped so far down on people's tier rankings and pecking orders of where NBA stars fall, because he kind of has so many of these warts where his game doesn't live up to its potential. Last night, Cat. If you get that version and the Anthony Edwards that we've seen all season, you're talking about, I think, legitimately the best one-two punch in the NBA. On top whoa, of having Rigo Bear, on top of having Mike Conley, Jaden McDaniels, and a great bench. I'm serious. If you Rated get that in. version of Cat and Anthony Edwards, you're talking about one of the best one-two punches in the NBA. That's a hot take. There's your hot take. Can can Cat be that consistent, though? Like that. That's, yeah. that's the question. Because the two things that impressed me about Cat last night was one when the when the um kerfuffle the scuffle the jersey pulling broke out and steve kerr i have no idea what he's t- talking about he claimed that gobert dude. grabbed yeah. clay thompson dude. he didn't he just tried to grab clay thompson and and if draymond then jumps gobert but if you watch that which i've done like 15 times now um ant and cat come in to try and make peace there and that's that's a situation where Cat easily could become Cat, right? Get caught up in it, go overboard, get himself ejected. He does not. He does not. He he stays calm. Um, that that was impressive. The other thing that's impressed me is, and I don't know if there was a conversation here that we don't know about or what. Feels like in the last week or so, Carl has really settled into doing the thing that I was complaining a week and a half ago about, which is. He settled into almost like he knows his role now. And, and I guess that's my question about consistency. Can that maintain? But it feels like the guy that we're seeing, and the points and statistics and box score will come if he is willing to accept a role. Felt like the first, what, Phil, two weeks or so, week, week and a half he was fighting the role. Now it feels like he is fitting into it. And if he does, that's where Declan's right. Well, and, and this is really telling. This is again. It's it's ten games, but they have played some really good teams, and I think the, I think the Warriors are going to have some problems if they have to keep leaning on Clay the way that like he's just not. I mean, he's had like yeah. two major surgeries, and it's it looks sort of done there. And this is from a couple. I mean, he he played a minute last night, but like from the other right. night too. Right. But in the ten games we've seen so far, and they've played the Celtics, they've played the Nuggets, so they've they've played some formidable teams. So last year, the Wolves lost the Cat and Gobert minutes. So when those guys were on the court together, the net points per 100 possessions was in the minus, which is a problem because it's like, all right, these guys are super max players. They, they both have to start. They both have to play 30 plus, you know, 30, 35 minutes a night. And the minute one of them, if you have to decide, well, actually, this isn't working, so we need to move one of you to the bench. Well, then now you're going to have major chemistry issues like it has to work with those guys on the court. So last year, per 100 possessions, including playoffs, when those guys were out there together, the Wolves were a minus two points per 100 possessions. So it's like they were just praying, hanging on for dear life. Can we break even in the 20 minutes a night that these guys were on the court together? So almost half the game, you know, a third of the game. This year, that pairing is a plus nine net points per 100 possessions when they're on the court together. This is a major development for this franchise going forward because if the thing that nobody said could work, right, how is it going to work? You're going to play two big guys. It can't possibly work. And last year, statistically, it did not work. You were just crossing your fingers 
and hoping to not be down by 10 points in the minutes that they play, right? If this works, and these guys are both just twin towers defensively and roaming around, dude, Gobert is guarding on the perimeter now. He wasn't physically able to do that last year. How many How many three-pointers did he block last year? I don't I can count three already this season in the first 10 games where he's out there blocking three-pointers on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So if this pairing is now a plus nine per 100 possessions or whatever it's going to land on, it is a franchise changer. So, and it's kind of, it's kind of like Gobert is who Gobert's a better version than he was last year, but he is kind of who he is. You know, Carl's the one that's had to make the sacrifices last year and this year. So if all of a sudden it's like you're settling in and Anthony Edwards is the, is the spiritual and scoring leader of this team and the energy leader and Gobert is the anchor defensively. And you're asking Cat, hey, dude, we need you to just sort of figure out a place here. You're going to get your threes, but you got you got to let it sort of come to you and figure it out. Like Chris Bosh had to figure out when he went to Miami. Like, it's not going to be the same for you, but you got to figure out a way to be productive. If he's embracing that, and now we're seeing him sort of flourish. But that's a fair ask, though. Like, that that's the thing. If you're going to ask, I mean, to what you just said, Phil, Gobert is Gobert. He's not changed. Like, you can't be like, expand your game and do this and do that. I, I think it's a very fair ask of Cat with his potential talent to do more, to do different things. Like, it's not like you're taking, you know, a Gobert type player and saying, well, we're going to put you by a guy just like you. And so, and we're going to have to ask you to change your ways or game with cat. It's almost a compliment. It, it's like, dude, you are good enough to do a lot of different things. It might take some time to adjust, but if you're willing to make the adjustment, which of late, it looks like he is, you know, that's what that's where he, he becomes um, a hybrid type of player. That's where he becomes the Wolves ver- version of Josh Metellus on the Vikings, where he can do a ton of different things um, for at times. It has looked like he has not he hasn't understood it or embraced it. I think we're starting to see. And again, small sample size. So caution here. I'm not promising a thing. But it is looking like there's been a change in the past week plus or so where he is starting to embrace that. And if he does, you know, I again, I think he makes himself incredibly valuable and all of the bitching, moaning and trade talk goes away. This will be a conversation much like further down the line, because I even I've even heard some other national pods have talked about how great Rudy looks, but. His obviously warts have come in the playoffs where he comes kind of sometimes unplayable against certain matchups. And this is a good problem to have, right? Like this is Gobert looks completely different and we can have these conversations more towards, you know, in the new year next year when we reach more of the playoff talk. But I am curious how that will, how that dynamic of Gobert works right now. Can that also translate to playoff basketball? And I always thought that that was kind of, yeah, there was times where he got put in the spin cycle in Utah in the playoffs, but Utah also had really bad perimeter defenders out there like doing their jobs. And this team is different because you've got... Now, Jade McDaniels didn't play last night because he got tossed in the first minute, and uh, he'll be well-rested to guard Kevin Durant tonight against Phoenix. But <laughs> you've got... that Those Jazz teams didn't have a Jade McDaniels out there ferociously defending the perimeter. Anthony Edwards as a perimeter yep. defender. Like, it's a... Di- it's a little bit different when you got four guys that are kind of sieves and they're asking Rudy to save everything, which is sometimes the case in Utah. This is a, just a better overall defensive team than that was. I think in sports, the thing here too is, is this, if you can, if the terms of your play can be dictated to you, you're probably screwed. If you can dictate the terms of play, 
you're in a position of power. And so I think the question is, and, and again, if Cat's playing like this, it fits in. The question is, can you dictate the terms of play? So now, uh, now a guy like Gobert can't be put in the spin cycle because you have answers to that. Yeah. Okay. Take number three. Draymond Green's a clown. Is that hot? Is that a hot take? Gobert said it too. Yeah. Yeah. I got the quote from Gobert here. Yeah. He did use the word clown, but it kind of felt like Draymond, you know, the the Warriors had their full team out there on Tuesday for the most part. And Mm -hmm. uh, they came back in an odd fashion at the end, but that was a double digit game. Like the Warriors got smoked at home by the Timberwolves and Draymond was getting a little bit flustered at times. And you could tell that the Warriors met their match on Tuesday night. Now the Warriors have four rings and all right, like no one is comparing the Warriors legacy to the Timberwolves, but this version of the Wolves versus this version fully stocked of the current Warriors, there's a gap. And I think Draymond showed up to the arena. Well, Steph's out. I like Clay, but Gobert said, Clay, how can I get tossed? (laughs) uh, Draymond, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Did I say Gobert? I meant Draymond. Sorry. Draymond shows up. I think he wanted to get tossed. Like, Mm -hmm. so this goes back to when Draymond punched Jordan Poole and Rudy mocked Draymond on Twitter that day. And then when Draymond, when, uh, when Gobert got into the fight with Kyle Anderson, Draymond tweeted the same thing, like insecurity, something about insecurity. They, so they, they both have kind of been clowning each other on Twitter. And I think Draymond saw an opportunity. I hate this guy. I don't really want to play because Steph's not playing. Mm-hmm. And so Gobert was quoted. This is from Dave Moore after the game. Gobert said, it's kind of funny because before the game, I was telling myself that Steph is not playing. So I know Draymond's going to try and get ejected because every time Steph doesn't play, he doesn't want to play. It's his guy, Steph. He'll do anything he can to get ejected. Clown behavior. And I'm proud of myself for being the bigger man again and again. And yeah, it doesn't even deserve me putting my hands on it. My team needed me tonight. I did whatever I could to keep my cool and then show that I wasn't making the situation worse. And I do hope the league is going to do what it needs to be done because that's just clown behavior. Not much to say. It's clown behavior. I love that quote. But I actually think that the last two games are more than wins. I I think they're absolutely huge because I think what they show, too, is their psychological wins. Draymond on Sunday, because Draymond loves and he, he is a good trash talker. He loves to get in your head and intimidate you verbally, right? And and this is and th- so this is where Ant has become everything that the Wolves and Tibbs thought and wanted from Jim- Jimmy Butler. Ant, who is a great teammate, is going to push back verbally, physically. He, you're not going to intimidate Ant. And so on Sunday, when Draymond, you know, starts trash talking and getting in their face, Ant's like, "Oh yeah, let's go, let's talk. You you want to talk? Let's talk." And this is where, to go back to uh, Towns and Wiggins, who, of course, now is with Golden State, this is where those two have never been good. Like, they would back down. Both of them would back down. But when you've got Ant, who's like, I'm your best player and let's go, all of a sudden, everybody gets stronger, right? Yep. And I so I think these it. last, if, if I can compare it to my sport, hockey, in which they actually do fight, but, but there are games that turn physical, and what can turn a series or what can turn a team is when the big bad bully, which the Warriors are, where you don't back down 
and you, in fact, push back, and then you're smarter. And then you're smarter, which the Wolves were last night. So I, I actually think these last two games, as far as a pivot to what's this team about, is massive. Because if they do this in a playoff series, and, and like two games on with a day off, that's playing the same team a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the the shift that we've seen is enormous because again it goes back to everybody knows their role they'll play that role and more importantly they're not going to be intimidated by probably the guy who considers himself the biggest bully in the league in Draymond yes. Green. Yeah, dude, it was uh, yeah, it, and you could just tell like what dude the Warriors you guys have four championships. It's the first month of the season. They don't really care about the in-season tournament. Why are you so hopped up two nights ago and last night or three nights ago and last night? It's because, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's I, If you would have asked me any time in the last 10 to 12 years, would you ever utter this sentence? I would say, no, it would be a clown take to say this. But the Wolves fluster the Warriors. The Wolves are sort of in the Warriors' heads in that regard. If these two teams played a playoff series right now, full strength. Okay, Steph, we're going to magically make Steph full strength again. Steph would probably be the best player if you stack the rosters. You'd have to go through like five or six Timberwolves before you got to the Warriors' second best player. Mm-hmm. And I think the Warriors know that. And so their response, much like hockey, when you kind of know you're getting your ass kicked, you need to do something to change the momentum or to punch back, and you can't do it by beating the other team. So what do you do? You freak out physically and grab a guy's jersey, and then put a guy in a headlock, like, okay, I guess that was great for you, but, like, and I'll take the Warriors dynasty, don't get me wrong, but right now, the Timberwolves, there is a gap between the Timberwolves and the Warriors. So, I got two more takes for you, but let's shout out our friends at Finch Home Solutions. No relation. Well, yeah, but Chris Finch has the basketball answers and my friend cody finch at finch home solutions he's got the answers to anything electrical that needs to be done in your home and we're talking big to small we're talking outlets being changed or installed to your entire house being rewired we're talking if you're thinking because it's getting chilly outside you know it's getting to be hot tub season well folks if you're going to get a hot tub installed which Declan would absolutely love there Mm -hmm. is a lot of electronical work that needs to be done first and guess what Finch Home Solutions can do exactly that and right now there's an offer on the table called the Finch Friends and Family Plan one free electrical inspection a year no dispatch fee priority dispatching so you go to the top of that list when you call and a 10% discount on all work performed in your home $9.95 a month 612-357-2604-612 357-2604 or a finchhomesolutions.com. Their n- newly redesigned website is absolutely fantastic. Finchhomesolutions.com. Make the call, visit the site, make sure that your home is safe as can be. Also, tomorrow, Thursday, is Give to the Max Day. And here at Score North on Flagrant Howls, Purple Daily, all of our podcasts, we are throwing our support behind secondhand hounds with help from Nutrisource as well. So, so so we're all dog people on the show here. We uh, we love our furry little friends. And Secondhand Hounds is a nonprofit animal rescue based in Minnesota that provides safe shelter for dogs and other animals, proper veterinary care, daily necessities. There's a bunch of different ways that dogs could uh, wind up at Secondhand Hounds. It could be that they're being rescued from a traumatic situation. It could be, I mean, it could be sadly that their dog parents have passed away and now they need a new permanent loving home. And Secondhand Hounds 
rescues dogs from these situations and kill shelters and uh, and brings them to a better life. So we're encouraging all of you animal lovers out there, whether it's $5, $50, or $500, whatever you feel comfortable with, go to scornorth.com slash donate. That's scornorth.com slash donate and pitch in whatever you can. And Nutrisource is matching up to $1,000 raised. I believe this morning I saw we're at nine fifty. So call it uh, with Nutrisource kicking in over $2,000, hopefully by the end of today, raised for secondhand hounds. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Crunch, I think, was uh, pretty sure Crunch was a rescue. For sure. Back in the late 80s. Back when he was just doing like mini cartwheels on trampoline. You know, he was just he was just starting to do little trampolines, graduated to the big trampolines. Now he's doing like bowling pins on target centers court. It's a whole thing. Big evolution for Crunch. It was. But originally he was a rescue. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Judd, you look perplexed. Oh, no, I'm not. No, no, no. I remember Crunch. (laughs) I I, I think he was a, a rescue from the Lakers. When, when they were based here, they found him and he was like, I they brought him out home. to L- they brought him out to L.A. and they just kind of stashed him for like yeah. 35 he ran years. all the way home yeah. in the basement of the forum. <laughs> Jerry Buss didn't like him. <laughs> the wolves were like, give us crunch back. Uh, take number four. OK, I know that they've beat uh, Boston, Denver and and the full Warriors team a couple nights ago. But I think last night might have been the most impressive win. Which sounds kind of crazy because, you know, like if you look at the Warriors after, so Steph out, Clay out, and Draymond out, and you're looking at who's left. And it's basically, I'm looking at the box score from last night. It's like a cardboard cutout of Chris Paul. He's just not the same Chris Paul. It's a zombie version of Andrew Wiggins. Have you seen that guy play this year? Yeah, he's back to being who (laughs) we thought he was. He is who we... How many times did he just like nonchalantly waltz into the lane in an intense basketball game only to get swatted five rows deep by Rudy Gobert? Like, dude, wake up or don't wake up when you're playing. Yeah, just don't wake up. That's fine. You know, you got Dario Saric out there who's a good player, but he's, you know, he's he's like a post ACL surgery version of himself. Uh, And then you got like 40 minutes of uh, this first round pick, Brandon Pajemski. Yes. And and by the way, that guy can play. Yeah, that guy, guy, he can play a little bit. But he was like banking in three pointers, like fadeaways <laughs> in the corner. But that so the fight happens, and that Warriors team just kind of a hodgepodge of of bench players and you know zombies out there. They just they wake up and they're fired up, and this is their chance. And here we go, we're gonna ride the momentum of Draymond Green starting a fight. And like I said, they're banking in threes. Nothing's going right for the Wolves. And you guys both said it earlier in the show. They 100% lose that game last year. And they probably lose it by like 15 points because they were down by 10, 12, 13 for chunks of the third and the fourth quarter. And then like last year, that game just slips away. They go into hero ball mode. Anthony Edwards chucks up a bunch of bricks and shoots like eight for 27 and they lose. But because they, this is like the second or third time that they've kind of not had it and they've won the game anyways. Yep. That is a huge sign for taking a step as a team. So super impressive. I, I think this was their most impressive win mentally. Because like the Celtics and D- Denver present challenges with great players. Like this was cer- certainly not a game against great players, but it's a road game. It's a game in which Golden State tried at least initially to bully you. Um, I think mentally, I, I think the Wolves would have a year ago lost this game more because of their mental Makeup last season, and I think it's so much improved now. So, like, yeah. I was impressed. 
a road win and a bat in, in, you know, playing the same team twice and beating them twice in their building. That's impressive. Yeah. And you could even see there was like little flashes of last year's wolves where they would spend a whole time out bitching at the officials or, you know, they would go into hero ball mode for a little bit. It's like, okay, that, is this, is it, you know, we talk about maturity, like this would be a shining example of coming back and winning this game. And right. they did. And then uh, take number five for you guys. Tell me if this is a hot one. Okay. I think the Timberwolves are one of the three best teams in the NBA. I think they've beat the two teams that are in that mix with them. I think it's Denver, Boston, Timberwolves. Now the Sixers look rejuvenated and it looks like a breath of fresh air now that James Harden's not on the court in that locker room. So the Sixers might be, you know, someone to contest with uh, in the Eastern Conference, but the Wolves, as of this morning, lead the NBA by a mile in defensive rating. They lead the Western Conference in net point differential. And like I said, they have wins over Denver, Boston, and a full Warrior squad in their home arena. So, and you start to look around at, okay, well, like, what about the Mavericks? I don't know, man. I think the Wolves run deeper roster-wise. I think the Wolves have a star that kind of matches. I mean, Luka would be the best player on either of those rosters. But, you know, last year, you had, at the end of one of those games, you had... Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards just put the clamps on Kyrie and Luka so we know that they can match up defensively. Right. But I legitimately think right now, as crazy as it is, is to say, I think through 10 games, the Wolves are one of the three best teams in the National Basketball Association. I'd say it's hot. I'd say it's not piping hot. I'd need to hear a case for, like, other teams. Right. I was like, somebody would have to not... say, here's why you're wrong, why right. the Heat are better, or whatever. Right. Like, I can't, I don't know. We're getting some national steam, like we saw Rosillo and and uh, Ben and not Ben Simmons. Oh my God, um, Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons. His son's gosh. name is Ben. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, he has uh, a son named them, Ben Simmons. Seen them talk about him. <laughs> ESPN's like briefly talked about him. Um, I heard Lebetard make you know like a passing joke. They look great, but then you can't play Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Like they want Anthony Edwards to be a superstar, but like is he going to be a superstar? I think it's going to take like an extended run here, like into probably the holiday time, or oh, yeah. a- arguably winning the play-in tournament for a lot of teams, a lot of national outlets to buy in that the Wolves aren't just this fun little story. No, they're one of the three best teams in the NBA. I think it's playoffs, right? I think you got to win a series or two at least. I, I think before you get, I think before the national media jumps on your bandwagon completely, I think you got to win a couple. But don't series. you think there's a point though, like, cause they, they don't get a chance to prove that until April or May. Right. There will be a point if they keep playing like this that they will be regarded as like a threat to do something. Like I don't think people are going to if if this team goes and wins fifty five you know sixty games. Sick. I just said sixty. Yeah. That's that that's kind of what this looks like right now. Like this kind of looks like a fifty six fifty eight win team right now. I I test. I think th- I think there's going to be a no no matter what they do in the regular season i think there's going to be a a natural pessimism nationally until they actually prove it cuz that that's just how and and it's not unfair um and look in the defense of the national folks i will say this we're watching two things right now on the local sports scene that i'm having trouble comprehending one is the wolves look legitimately good this doesn't look like a fluke and two is the Vikings have a quarterback who can run. I'm still having problems processing it when I watch these two. Things. It's super fun, isn't it? No, it's like, fun. But like blast. I saw that, 
like that Dobbs touchdown. I keep going back and watching that <laughs> or like the wolves, you know, yeah. the wolves being, and, and what's really weird is, is this, and I brought this up. I think it was on a flagrant howls that we did last week. And I was sort of, um, I was sort of cautious about saying it, but now I believe it to, to be true. I think that Hawks loss, that terrible blown game in the second half, I think it might've been the best thing to happen. Cause it because, flashed them back to a place they never well, want to be again. Right. Like, yeah. And Chris Finch to... could go in and say, boys, I've been telling you to be cautious and you've been like, and, and look, they're legit good. Yeah. Um, so what better piece of, of film to tape, whatever you want to call it, to sit down with that club and say, okay, let's watch this. This is what happens when you don't mind basically your basketball P's and Q's. Yeah. I think it was like two years ago when the Wolves played Memphis and now the Grizzlies have imploded. But like there was a lot of buzz around that Memphis team with Ja when he was starting to ball out a little bit. And they're like, oh, wow, look at this Memphis team. Now that that Timberwolves team ended up giving them fits in the first round. And yeah, now look at Memphis now. They're kind of a kind of a shell of that, of, of what people thought they were going to yeah. be. But there was a lot of buzz about that Memphis team two NBA seasons ago that, that could do some damage in the West. I, I think that's probably going to be the perception of what the Wolves could be. It's probably a similar thing like that where it's, oh, they got the superstar. They had John Morant. Wolves have Anthony Edwards, who's now is maturing. Like I think it's probably similar to that before people start looking at them like the Nuggets or the Celtics or the Sixers. And see, but that's the other thing about the West. It's like like Memphis is a great example. So John Morant is suspended for the first 25 games this year. Once he comes back, maybe that team becomes formidable again. But right now, they're 2-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to be after 25? They're going to be so buried. Right now, right. they're in last place in the Western Conference. So even when Ja comes back, that team's yeah. not a threat to like pass the Timberwolves in the standings unless something crazy happens over the next two months or so. So, okay, Nuggets, we know what the Nuggets are. The Mavericks are going to be competitive. Luka is such a superstar. Like He's just going to be the best player on the court most games. The Rockets are super interesting. They've got a great coach now. They've got young talent. The Rockets kind of feel like the Kings last year where, okay, this is a young, feisty team taking a jump. Mm -hmm. The Kings, like the Kings are averaging 10 fewer points per game than they were last year. So the the offense hasn't been the same. The Thunder, that's another interesting young team with a good collection. They're going to be formidable. Um, But none of these teams I'm listing, the, the, the version of the Wolves we're watching right now, I wouldn't put any of those teams above what we're seeing the last two or three weeks. Lakers, okay, any given night, they do have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and those guys are, you know, two of the greats of our generation. But, you know, they kind of pick and choose. They're six and five. Those guys are going to rest. And depth-wise, that team's kind of a mess. The Warriors, we've seen. The Pelicans, it's like if Zion plays, but the guy never plays. He plays like 30% of his games in his career. So right, uh, it's super interesting. On the, on the in-season playoff side, Real quick, I know we got to get to uh, write that down predictions, but uh, I think so. The Wolves play their first home pool game against the Kings next Friday, Friday November. So in nine days, Friday November twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. I think they clinch their pool with a win in that game. Yeah, right. Because they're two and zero. Oh. Yeah, the oh, yep. the Kings that. are one and zero. Oh. If you beat the Kings, you're three and zero, oh, and they'd have a loss. And so you, I'm pretty sure you clinch your pool with a win over the Kings next Friday night. The That's, only additional game would be the championship game, correct? In Vegas? No, you'd have semifinals. You'd or you'd have quarterfinal games. So it's um it's, Oh, th- those are additional too? Okay. You what do you mean? What do you mean by additional? Ab- above your schedule. Oh, so your championship supposed to play, game. 
Okay, so you play an 83rd game, and that, that's the only added game that you might play. Yes, but in terms okay. of, like, the structure of the tournament, right. I believe it's the winner of each pool plus one, like, wildcard team. Okay. And then there's a quarterfinal round into a semifinal round into championship, and then the championship is the only, like, extra game to gotcha. your schedule. So, yeah, do the Wolves. Golden State, the Wolves. great court. I like their court. For, Did you? For I thought the, you'd hate it, actually. No, because it just, I don't mind. Obnoxious. Exactly. I don't mind a strip of like a different color. I don't like when the whole court is different colors. So I thought Golden State and the Bucks actually have great, have fine courts. So good job, Golden State. You did one thing right. You've impressed San, the sports dad with your San Francisco. I love you. court. <laughs> so, all right. Those are uh, five Wolves takes after just a bonkers game in the Bay last night. Timberwolves. Man, eight and two on the season, half game behind the number one seed Nuggets in the Western Conference. This is a blast. Uh, we'll see you guys again tomorrow on Flagrant Howls when uh, when Kyle slings some takes, and I think we have a random wolf of the week on tomorrow's show as well. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.